ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 120 of the MTB podcast, presented and hosted by Worldwide Cyclery. I am Jared, the man with the olive oil voice. I'm Jeff. <laughs> and I'm Liam. <laughs> olive oil voice. In this episode, we will discuss our incredible bucket list trip to the Dolomites in Italy, where Jared was given the nickname, the man with the olive oil voice. Mm-hmm. We're going to also talk about Liam's new custom-painted Revel Ranger, the current state of the bicycle industry, and of course, listener questions ranging from cross-training techniques to pros and cons of high-pivot bikes and everything in between. Everything in between. So, Mr. Olive Oil Voice, Mm -hmm. can we talk about something? (laughs) Can we fit everything in between within an hour podcast? You know, we're going to do our best. Okay. We're going to do our best. Everything we possibly can fit in between. Say something. Uh, something. Something. Uh, we flew into Venice, Italy. We drove three hours north into the Dolomites. It's a portion, I guess the eastern portion of the Swiss slash Italian Alps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And unbelievably dramatic scenery and mountains and rocks and cliffs mm. and jaggedy rocks on more rocks. And wow. Even bigger rocks. I had no idea. And the most what that place insane like. lift network. Yeah. Cable car network. Yeah. I've ever seen. There's I've, just I, I all of like these that. valleys and canyons and lifts and cable cars yeah. and gondolas all connected. It's unbelievable. Truly. Yeah. Spectacular. It's, it is paradise. Breathtaking. Yeah. Stunning. So we went out there with All Mountain Rides, which is a mountain bike tour company. Um, let's see. Who runs it? Phil Borman. Phil Borman. So Phil Borman. So pre-pandemic, he ran New Zealand mountain biking. And I did that trip with him in December of 2019, which was amazing. And then I had full faith that he could execute on another epic trip. And he did. And it was Italy in the Dolomites. He was living there for, I think, two or three years. Yeah, I think he said three um, years in Cortina. Yeah, doing a lot yeah. of consulting with different tour companies out there and stuff. And that's when he came up with the idea for the mountain bike trip there. And wow, that went off amazing. So he toured us around along with his partner tour guide, Marco Besso. Yes. Marco, Is that how you say Marco's Marco. last name? Besso? No clue. Bassot? Besso? No clue. Besso? I think I saw some guy going like, Besso! <laughs> he's a he's a celebrity he's local a, he's a celebrity local legend, local legend. he's lived yeah. in a small town of corvara his entire life runs a hotel there mm-hmm. and uh yeah we went on so many local hidden weird things a few times I, he goes we're going on a farmer's land and they might yell at you just ride fast <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be the fastest you just don't want to be the slowest <laughs> Man, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah he, he, goes, he did so much cool this, stuff. This this rancher always stops me. I think he'll be extra pissed when I have fifteen people to yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Yo. yeah, we we had a, a decent sized group. Um, really good riders, really good group that meshes well. These yeah. these trips, there's always a little bit of a wild card. Is are people going to like each other and get along and all ride at a <laughs> relatively similar speed so we can all have fun together and yeah. it all worked perfectly, which was really cool. Sure did. Um, and we didn't have to do much climbing. We did no, pretty much. minimal climbing for. I mean, we were putting in days doing well over 20, 25 miles with like thousand feet of climbing. Yeah, and like yeah. ten to thirteen thousand feet of descending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. unreal. Yeah, I think some of the crazy. days were even like five hundred feet of climbing and like 13,000 yeah. feet of descent. Yeah. Like not even a noticeable amount of climbing. Yeah. I think the first day is the biggest day at 2,000 feet. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of like the, the break-in tour kind of, mm-hmm. you know, feel out ride, shake out ride. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, what an incredible place. I would highly recommend it for a mountain bike trip. It's probably incredible in the winter too. Totally. Um, I can't even imagine, although it would be wild to be up there if that place was covered in snow. So cool. Super windy roads, unbelievable scenery, some of the most beautiful portions of the world I've ever seen in my life, and just a lot of stuff to do, and obviously endless amounts of killer single track and riding back there. So Agreed. Um, what was good, your favorite? Good place to take a vacation. What was your favorite riding portion? I know it's pretty hard. That's a hard mm. question. Because, you know, we rode obviously some purpose-built mountain bike trails, some kind of hiking type trails that yeah, were also like weird, janky, yeah, incredibly off the grid trails. There was just a little mix of everything. I really liked, uh, was it called? Well, there was that one EWS trail. Um, Tutti which, Fruity. Or the other one, and Infinity. Infinity, Infinity yeah. Animal I really, House. I thought Infinity was pretty cool. That Infinity was Animal favorites. House. And, I like that. And Lower Animal House was sick. Yeah. 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 Everything yeah. in Val de Faso was so fun. Yep. Yeah, because they had they had the huge, well, it's not called EWS anymore, but when it was called EWS, mm -hmm. it was out there. And no, so there's a lot EDR. of- EDR. EDR. Yeah. EDR. What does that even mean? You just Enduro, Enduro, but they like also Enduro call it Enduro World, World Cup. Cup, but I don't see how they get E. <laughs> Man, DNR the UCI from, and from racing this year, a lot of people are unhappy yeah. about the yeah. format changes, name changes, rule changes. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. This, yeah. yeah. Oh, glad I'm not glad, the UCI. Yeah, no. glad we're not a racing podcast. Glad we're not racing. It's, it's like a perfect representation of what, like, you know, kind of like a diplomatic or, like, autocratic i guess like this higher body of people that are just totally dissociated from what's actually happening yeah. like what the riders are saying and like what the fans are saying like there's just so much disconnection between yeah, the governing body like for sure and the people who are actually like boots on the ground yep it's like how is there such a big disconnect is the uci as despised in the road cycling side of things do you know very similarly yeah yeah like they don't love them and like they can never enforce rule no rules like like they pretty much only enforce like a uh, rule in a race is if a crash happens mm -hmm. and usually an injury from a crash. So like there's a big, some guy basically tried to move up on the road on the side of the road oh, that was this so year. It's, funny, it went dude. super viral. Shouldn't say that's funny because it oh, was not it funny. But crashed yeah. out like funny. the whole field. And he crashed out the entire field. He basically went through and like didn't a- didn't crash himself. A grass, a grass <laughs> And then looks dip. back like, oh man, I knocked yeah. over 100 people. But, but the thing is people do that in these classic style races in Belgium all the time. It just happened to be a little bit more bunched up at that time, and it happened to cause a massive... It was obviously an accident. Yeah, yeah massive yeah. pileup. And it was on video. And it was at the front of the race on video, right? Like, Perfectly on video. And uh, so they enforced a you know, a suspension. Or when there's yeah. a, uh, a sprint line deviation in you know, the final of a Tour de France stage and someone crashes, they enforce the rule. This year, Jasper Phillipson deviated out of like three out of his five sprint wins, and they were like, nope, clean. No one crashed. Mm. So, yeah, no one really loves the UCI. I don't think anywhere. Like, I don't think UCI has ever loved. No. Yeah, not that I've yeah. ever heard of so in they my just whole life. It when they feel like it, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. But so, regardless. Yeah, that was a hard tangent off of Italy. <laughs> back, when there, back when there was uh, the Enduro World Series, formerly, or no, that yeah, formerly Enduro yeah. World Series. Yeah. Uh, they'd built these trails. Well, those trails, I guess, were already there, but they raced these trails, mm -hmm. and they're pretty iconic, just yeah. super well-built mountain bike trails. And they, they rocky, did race them this year. In the EDR. Oh, they did? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, getting to ride that stuff was awesome. And it was just such good, well-built mountain bike trails. Yeah. So good. Made for mountain bikes. Um, yeah, really cool. Technically challenging. A lot of line choice. Uh, I really enjoyed all that. I also really enjoyed 
Uh, I think it was called W, which was a nothing. Oh yeah, nothing special, just like random intermediate fun flow trail, kind flow of. trail. Yeah. But it was just fun riding Super that in fun. a huge train with everyone, and then yeah. Matt crashed in front of me. There was, <laughs> there's, there's like a big S turn, and there's a you can basically go off of one of the berms yeah. and gap to the next berm, and he's on the lower berm and he's looking up. He's like. <laughs> Ooh, I saw that jump and now I'm below. He's looking at the jump and then crashes while he's looking at the jump right in front of me. Oh, I was like, what happened? He's like, I was looking at the jump. I was like, you're riding a berm. Don't look <laughs> anywhere else. The day was, before he so funny. managed to crash following Jared and I and he broke his brake lever and his dropper post remote. Yeah. On different sides. On different sides. On different and sides. he doesn't he's not sure how he broke the right brake lever <laughs> and the left dropper post remote at the same time. Everyone's heard about Matt on this podcast. He runs the B team, which is an amateur enduro race team on the east coast of the US. And uh he was on his trip and he took a number of falls. He's probably gonna be like, Come on, we're talking about that, but you know, I don't know. Hey, it's we're funny. giving the B team some press though. Yeah, B yeah the, the B time. team was represented by Matt on this trip and you know he did it. Um also his rival team, I guess you call it rival team, well fire MTB, which is run by Shelly, which is a female racing team. Um, she was there with her husband having an amazing time. So hearing them banter back and forth about racing was pretty funny. Oh, it was great. Um yeah, it was a lot of good good people and good fun on that trip so and a number of crashes but nobody got hurt yeah so, that's know, true just, yeah just minor stuff which just, is good because some of that train was pretty brutal totally. did, did you crash no did you crash i just crashed the once yeah. Yeah. The, tree. the tree on the secret loamer secret loamer yeah. <laughs> it's like kind of a crash you just couldn't really turn yeah i mean i just yeah you front just wheel went, slid on it went, was all like pine needles and like super loose yeah there's no no grip yeah yeah couldn't even stop couldn't change direction yeah, you know. Yeah, there's definitely some seriously challenging, gnarly, so steep high skill level st- there's some stuff. Out really there. steep yeah. stuff. The and then there's bike park stuff. And yeah, closest yeah, I got to crashing cool. was filming cows <laughs> oh, yeah. with my right hand holding the front brake down a sketchy ass fire road. <laughs> Jeff was behind me and was like, "Oh God, Willie, what are you doing?" I was just thinking. I was just thinking of that in- influencers in the wild Instagram account. It's yeah. Like, Got to, got to get it on Instagram, and you're going to just sack yourself on this brutally <laughs> rock-covered fire so road just to nasty. film some cows. Yeah. Like, yeah, that was pretty funny. What about you, know? Liam? What was your favorite riding portion? Um, I got two. I liked uh, – well, I like Fast and Fossa, or Fossa mm. and Fast, yeah, or Fossa Fe- Fa- and, and Furious. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That show was sick. Yeah. It run me a lot of Santa Cruz. It was pretty fun. And then 999 was – yeah probably my favorite trail as far as like shredding goes yeah but i think experience of riding bikes riding down from the refugio rosetta mm-hmm. uh which was like this moonscape you're descending oh, like yeah that was cool over a thousand yeah. feet at least probably like two or three thousand feet the Palais de san martin yeah um on this moonscape like it was literally yeah. Some yeah, way above. Once tree you line. get a little bit further down, you get some shrubbery, but like it's way above tree line. It's just rocks and moonscape, and you're basically just like flying on yeah. the moon. And it was a super cool experience. Like, not necessarily the sickest shredding, but like I've never ridden my bike on that kind of stuff. And yeah, I don't know where you ever can really. Like, I know. Yeah. That's yeah. That was really cool. Yeah. So that was, and just that whole day was sick. Like, yeah. Start from the top, and you you went all the way down to the valley. Um, 
It was a long day just for basically one main descent. Yeah. 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 True. You can take cable cars up. We started that about 10,000 feet, right? And then went all the so, way down yeah. to four. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's incredible the rides you can link together out there. So highly recommend it if uh, a big Italian mountain bike adventure is on your radar. It should be. <laughs> it should be. It should be. It's a, that was a bucket list trip for sure. And yeah, man, the food, the scenery, the trails. Yeah, it was yeah. amazing. There's also just a lot of other stuff to do there as well. So, totally. Yeah, kind of infinite Yeah, a lot things. of the, the guy riders brought their wives that just, you know, had their own days, fun, yeah. hiking and exploring. Yeah, there's a ton of cool and, hiking and exploring yeah. and museums and all sorts of good stuff up there. So. Yeah, refugio at the top of every mountain. Just yeah. so you can go yeah. relax and eat and drink a beer mm-hmm. and or in a spritz if that's more your flavor. Yep. Europe, a- Europe is luxury, man. Is so cool. It's very luxury. Yeah. Scott Galloway says America is the best place to make money and Europe is the best place to spend it. He's absolutely right about that. And I that. think he's right. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's right. Yeah. Yeah. They're just pretty good. Some things they do there are just so well thought out. Yeah. And it's just everything's aesthetically pleasing and well maintained yeah. and artsy. And they also had a huge head start, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They, uh, they've been doing this a lot longer than yeah. the US. We were in buildings that were longer than, older than the entire. Yeah, United States of America. So. Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah. Um, speaking of spending money, how about your new Ranger, bro? I didn't spend oh, any money go. on it. <laughs> Get out of here. I didn't spend any money. Um. Yep. I'm building a new Ranger Revel Ranger V2. Sold the I Yeti SB120. Sold the frame and fork. Did a part swap. Swapped out a few other bits and pieces. Um. And yeah. Building it up, got it custom painted by Technar. Technar. Uh, hydro dipped. Yeah, I had it hydro dipped, white, gray, and black. And I think it came out insane, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, it looks really good. It looks uh, a lot really better good. in person than in photos. Photos are just hard to see the. Yeah, whole it looks crazy in photos, right? Like it kind yeah. of overwhelming almost. But yeah. yeah, it's super cool. It looks like marble. And it's, uh, yeah, I'm very stoked on it. I've never had a custom painted frame myself. So. Figured why not. Um, and yeah, I'm stoked. Uh, got a few little bits and pieces. I got the new SID suspension on it, front and rear. So that'd be cool to ride. I have some new wheels that I can talk about in a month or so or the next podcast, which will be cool to ride. Mm. So yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it'll be cool. I just I just weighed it. Yeah, transmission. I just weighed it. Uh, 27 flat with cages, pedals, hmm. all that. So. Nice. Yeah. Pretty good. Now we're sliders and new Sid stuff from the old stuff. A little bit. I don't know. I Not need to reweigh your bike, like though. A tiny bit. About the like... same as a baguette. <laughs> Maybe a ciabatta roll. I don't know, man. I don't know if they hurt. it's even that much lighter. They should start measuring things in, in food items. That's all yeah. I'm saying. That's not, I mean, like our new Sid is. So they say that America, Americans will measure stuff in anything <laughs> but, a, yeah, know, but yeah. a logical system. But a logical measurement. Like this dog sized uh, pothole. Or this. <laughs> You know, this uh, sinkhole can fit, you know, three fire trucks or something like that. <laughs> Ten Toyota Camrys. Gosh. Sounds about right. Yeah, totally. Man, I love my Ranger. That's such a fun bike. I realized in this Italy, on this Italy trip how little I've ridden an enduro bike all year. Pretty much just rode that Banshee on the Whistler trip and then on this trip. And I, otherwise, I just ride that Ranger. Yeah. It's just such a fun, good all-around mountain bike. Well, and just like... You know, if you're kind of riding from the front door where we live, like there's no point to yeah. ride anything but basically a Ranger, uh, you know, 
SB120 style bike, you know, yeah. short travel, fun bike. Um, they're, yeah, they're awesome around here. I've been kind of, I haven't had one since I got back from Downieville. I basically took apart that bike. So it's been almost two months now. It has been yeah. two months basically. So, and I've just been riding my Rail 29 or the road gravel bike. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of itching just to do some XC rides and get some, some efficiency back in my life. Yeah. Yeah, those 120 mil travel 29ers of various brands, like that, just that bike has yeah. really come a long way with geo and suspension, and it's worked so good for so many things. So. Yeah. I miss having a short travel 29er. Yeah. Mm. It's just such a fun bike. Fun, fast. What about your hardtail? Do you still have that? Oh, yeah, I have my hardtail. You do. It still doesn't, you know. Yeah, it's not the same. Scratch the same itch, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you can literally have every I'm sure you'll swap thing. it out like all your other underwear soon enough. I don't know, man. I don't this think bike I'll... for a month, and now I'm going to swap this out. I love the hardtail, man. It, that, it scratches. A, How are the bikepacking adventures coming along? particular itch. It's actually getting right into beautiful bikepacking season, <laughs> and I was going to invite you along, but I don't know if I'm going to invite you anymore because <laughs> you're throwing shade right now, and I don't like it. Um, but, oh, I think yeah. Jared got some. He was uh, he was all saying he's going to do all these bikepacking trips, and then oh no, I'm going to. It turns out oh. got around that people were saying he wasn't going to do it, and uh, it's been a little while, and you haven't gone on one yet. I might have found ten bucks down on that. <laughs> you got to bet on it. Uh, hey, guys, I'm not. Pre- I'm not participating like, in the bet. Okay, yeah. I just laughed at the. It's funny. You guys talk how there's like an expiration date. Like, oh my god, if I don't go bikepacking by the end of September, I'm well, never. No, no, gonna no. The do expiration it. date is you selling that bike, I'm which you're destined to do. <laughs> never. <laughs> you should have yeah. never said that never. on the record, dude. Never gonna, never gonna sell it. Never gonna sell it. Everything's right, for sale, baby. I'm gonna get buried with that bike. Oh my god. <laughs> oh man. Well, on record now. Yeah. Speaking of getting buried with bikes. Oh. Would you like to hear the state of the bicycle industry? Uh, I guess. Bum, bum, bum. I don't know how in tune people are uh, with the bike industry. I think at one point there was a lot of you know, random people on YouTube making videos about it and stuff. We talked about it a little bit on on the podcast at some point. Very clickbaity YouTube videos. Oh my god, the bike oh, industry is in yeah. turmoil. The bike industry is in turmoil, which you know to some extent was was maybe true. It's true. <laughs> it's true. It's true. The, uh, Everybody run. The the latest, which you've probably already heard, or maybe not, depending on how in tune you are with this stuff. Uh, the bike industry boomed during the pandemic. Um, so many more brands than I had anticipated over ordered, over manufactured, and just over forecasted. Like distributors, eighty percent of the brands and distributors, brands, retailers, everybody, Um, and that's now resulted in you know the demand completely normalized, went straight back to pre pandemic levels, and uh, yeah, now everyone has way too much product and everything's on sale. And if inflation was measured in the bike industry, it would be to the floor again. Um, so it's, it's a bit of a mess. Uh, now is definitely the year to buy a bike. 100%. Yeah. Every bike you can think of and every pair of shoes and like you name it, it's on sale. We have a ton of stuff on sale way more than we ever have in history, which is unfortunate because it's just major margin deterioration and making it really hard to run a profitable business that survives. But you know, that's my problem, not yours. (laughs) Um, but (laughs) listening to the podcast and you're, you're in the market for a bike now is the time we're wheeling and dealing bikes everybody is it's it's just crazy so the bike industry is in a bit of a in a bit of a shenanigans of a situation right now no situation a like shenanigans that. of a situation <laughs> there's a shit storm of brewing randy <laughs> yeah 
So, uh, word of advice, uh, my my economic forecast of the bike industry is that it will it will certainly clear up coming into next season, i.e., summer of 2024. Um, so, if you are planning on getting a bike um, or really anything, especially the more expensive, now would be a fantastic time to do it. Um, yeah, because next year inventory levels won't be as bad and people won't be in such dire straits hawking things for so cheap. So. Hawking them up. Hawking them up. Wanna hawk a loogie. Yeah. Wanna hawk a loogie. <laughs> I, I what? Was, Is that I from was, Finding Nemo? Yeah. Yeah. Wanna hawk a loogie. Wanna hawk a loogie. I was, the I first had, one or the second one? First one. First one. I haven't seen it in ages. Have to I just had a bike called the Haka. And I think it was short for it's Wanna hawk a loogie. Yeah. So I said, like their gravel bike or something like that? I think that, they had yeah. a bike or have a bike? Maybe. Yes. They yeah. do. <laughs> they still. Oh, you, I thought you said you had one. No, Ibis. Oh. Mm. Yeah, I'm not, not super up to date on Ibis's line. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's the state of the bike industry. There you go. Um. Yeah. I don't know. That's it. That's that. Let's answer one quick listener question before we oh. hop into the best legitimate advertisement yet. Let's do it. Listener question number one: When it's time to degrease and to generally scrub your drivetrain. There's a point in time where you need to add a bit of water to rinse all the contaminants and solution away from said drivetrain. My question is, once this is done, what is the best way to eliminate all the water from the nooks and crannies of said drivetrain? Uh, it's a, also a bike in general to keep things from rusting. Air compressor. Ah, let me finish. Dude, you went too fast, Jeff. <laughs> I've heard people mention compressed air, <clears throat> Jeff, but to me that is... Just going to potentially drive that water deeper into things like the cassette bearings, possibly put pressure on seals and O-rings that may negatively affect them. Would something like WD-40 work well in lieu of compressed air? If so, do you simply spray it with WD-40, let it dry completely, and then lube your chain? It's got a point there. Um, um, but yes, yes and no. Degreaser, good degreaser, is slightly alcohol-based, and it often will evaporate. Um, so you degrease your chain with some water and some degreaser if you really need it. But I also am on the side of like, I don't use degreaser unless it's needed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not really that necessary unless you already incorrectly lubed your chain to begin with. I'm a, I am a fan of degreasing the stock lube of a chain for my sake. Jeff likes it on because he likes inefficiency yet a quiet drive chain. So quiet. It's so quiet, but it's so the stock, so inefficient. The stock grease. Yeah. It's not even lube, it's grease. It's, it's, yeah. it's literally <laughs> shipping grease. That it's comes shipping grease so it doesn't rust and <laughs> it makes the chain transport. so quiet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah then like you have to degrease everything too. after that and then use a proper lube. Yeah. But uh yeah, I, I don't actually use degreaser that much. Um and if you use a dry lube and you use it properly, you really shouldn't need that much. But say I do need it or I'm cleaning my bike, I did wash my bike today. Use a little bit of uh, more like dish soap on kind of chain and cassette just to yeah. get some stuff off. Um, I use air compressed air to blow everything out. And I don't point it directly at the hub. I usually point it in between basically the two poly wheels on the derailleur mm-hmm. and point it directly at the chain uh, links. The links, yeah. In the, in the, what you call them, the rollers. Yeah, I do yeah. that too. Compressed air is exactly like compressed water, i.e. pressure washer, hose, high pressure. You just can't point it directly yeah. at something that needs to be sealed. Mm-hmm. So don't make that mistake with water or air. So just go easy. Yeah. Yeah. Don't blast 
bearings and seals and o-rings and things like that with water or air just go light with yeah. that stuff and but you're not going to damage that if stuff. you're trying to get everything out of the rollers in your chain you can blast it with that and then re-lube it very well mm-hmm. um, yeah also not recommended to use a air compressor on any brake parts right because there's machine oil technically in that air and it's not like pure yeah. air yeah you, could, you, you can could, risk it for the brisket. Oh, don't you get can, me started on brisket. Oh, you can do it a little light, light, like, yeah. you know, yeah. um, get some stuff out of there. I wouldn't, like, yeah, force it in there for a long time, but, you know. Yeah, because mm-hmm. sometimes those air compressor tanks can get a little condensation that, and stuff that inside as well. the tank and stuff like that. Have but some water in there. Pretty marginal. Um, but I would not add WD-40 to anything on my bike ever, personally. Yeah, WD-40. Um, at least the original mm-hmm. WD-40. Yeah. WD-40 is a brand, yeah. is yeah, now like a license. They make all these different products, but the OG WD-40 yeah. formula is yeah, not, not a um, no. And it's aerosol, so it can spray and... Yeah. You know, your chains near your rotors and contamination. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. Good degrees are good chain lube and a good process is your friend. Bada bing, bada boom. A little bit of being gentle with all these things helps a bike. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of being gentle, I think it's time for an ad. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and now, a word from our sponsors. Introducing Mike's Magical Mix of Ketones and Kegels. Want a boost in your step and strength down below? Mike's got secret, folks. Come on, let's go. Do your energy levels wobble, wane, or waver? Pop Mike's Ketone Supplements for flavor and favor. Brain fog and menace? Life seeming quite bleak? Take a ketone from Mike and reach your brain's peak. But wait, there's more. This isn't just about that mental might. Mike's also got Kegel courses to set things down there just right. For strength control and the pelvic floor oh so tight, Mike's Kegel classes are truly out of sight. Special offer, buy a bottle of ketones and get Kegel courses for free. Mike's special deal, as whimsical as can be. And now, back to the show. And Jared, the man with the olive oil voice. And we're back. Read this next question. I sure will. On the last episode, I heard Jared has been riding a Druid V2 by Forbidden, and it got me wondering, first, what are the ups and downs of High Pivot Witchcraft? And B, I ride Bellingham two to four days a week, and I'm in the market for a new frame, so I'm looking for recommendations. So far, I'm considering a Carbon Patrol or Insurgent. Thoughts? Well, I'd say you should also control, or you should also consider a Druid V2, because it's awesome. Um, ups and downs of High Pivot Witchcraft. Uh, in my experience, there is only really two very minor downsides. One of which is the very marginal amount of efficiency loss with the idler pulley, which is super marginal. And after riding the bike for a little while, I like, don't even notice it anymore. Yeah. And you're talking because you rode the Deviate as well. Which mm-hmm. Deviate did you ride? Uh Island? Claymore. 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 That's the Claymore. one you rode more often. Yeah, yeah cool. I rode the Claymore. And now you're on the Forbidden Druid V2. Yes. Both high pivot bikes. Yep. Um, the only other thing I noticed after going like from my Yeti SB140 to the Druid was it wasn't quite as like poppy jumping off of rocks and stuff like on the trail routes. But after riding it for a little bit longer now, I've gotten more used to it and it feels great. Just yeah, as, I mean, just good, so. that's kind of the nature of a high pivot in general is... right. It's going to eat up bumps more than it's going to be poppy and kind of, you right. know, hit, hit that stuff. But the Forbidden 
Team Rider seemed to not have an issue with that as they throw in th- yeah. big 360s and <laughs> yeah, I know. all kinds of crazy Just stuff on them. go to Forbidden's them. Instagram yeah. and be like, oh, yeah, no, those bikes can do everything I can do and then like 9,000 times more. <laughs> yeah. So I'll be just fine. <laughs> yeah. So, um, dude, yeah, you that's... were riding that bike so good in Italy following you on some of those trails. It just looked like it was hovering and floating and I was just it does. really envious. And I was like, I want that bike. Thank you. It's like, I yeah. like that. Bike. I appreciate Jeff, that Jeff compliment. Jeff literally so was good. like, I want that. <laughs> it was quiet <laughs> and it just floated and I was just so impressed. It's, I was like, wow, that bike looks, watching that bike riding behind you, I was, wow, that's a freaking nice bike. It that is sick. working really good. Yeah, I love it's it. It's cool to see. Yeah. And on the you know, extra pulley wheel inefficiency that Uh that causes. It's pretty marginal if you have a clean chain set up. Like having someone with a gunked up nasty chain is going to cause more drag than adding that one wheel if everything's running clean. and and Yeah. The only time I ever really noticed it was when it was brand new and like you were talking about with the factory grease. Yeah. Um, That's the only time I really noticed it. And kind of like I said, after I kind of got used to riding it, you know, well, degrease the chain, but and, regular and chain. probably broken a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. And also like the, initially the bearing on that pulley wheel was yeah. pretty stiff and it spins much more freely now. Um, but those are really the only downsides. And on the ups, it, like you're kind of saying it absolutely eats chunk rocks and roots. Like yeah, there's no really tomorrow. Stable. Like it eats like for a 130 mil travel bike. It felt like it had so much more travel going down that. Like I yeah, felt it looked like it, I felt no, no limitations at all, which it was just like, yeah, pushing, Pun- pushing punches me. pretty hard above its weight. It totally does. Um, but it still, you know, kind of maneuvers and like is nimble and, you know, yeah, maneuverable like a, like a trail bike, which is awesome. Nice. Um, but yeah, speaking of high pivot, uh, you know, high pivot, everything we had Nico on the show several episodes back episode 91 um, so if you're very curious in going a deep dive on high pivot stuff, that is an excellent episode to check out. And we're going to have that in the show notes as well. Link to that episode. Link to that episode in the show notes. Link to the episode in show notes. Yeah, Nico is a very qualified person to talk about that because he's just a, a professional mountain biker, suspension nerd and guru, and also literally created two identical bikes of his own, one being high pivot and one not tested them back to back. It's yep. like... And he landed on a... Don't get many people with more credentials to talk on the topic than that. (laughs) He landed landed on a almost mid-pivot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, true. So he liked it a little higher, but not full high pivot. So, interesting. Um, (laughs) Mid-thick. Mid-high. These grips are mid-thick. Mid-mid. Mid-thick. He did ask the question, so far I'm considering a carbon patrol or insurgent. Isn't it Insurgent 27.5? Yes. Well, they might make a mullet one. Ah. Um, Patrol or personally, Insurgent? Bellingham um, isn't most of the riding. Pedal up fire roads and then ride down yes. gnarly steep stuff. Yeah. yeah. Out of those two bikes, I'd probably lean Patrol as I think the suspension action would work better on the super steep stuff that Bellingham has. Mm-hmm. Um, and But another bike you might want to consider would be a Forbidden Dreadnought in the mullet Mm. set up with a ziggy link nice yeah you can also get druid and mullet too yeah but he's talking about some bigger travel bikes yeah um i see where this guy's going he is riding in bellingham and these are brands that are from bellingham local but forbidden is not too far away that's true forbidden is not too far away up and over the border in fact you could take a little ferry over there (laughs) (laughs) 
Vancouver Island. Across the pond. Uh, across the little pond. How is there a bike company on Vancouver Island? Uh, gosh. Isn't there more than one, too? Maybe. Maybe not. It just seems funny. Well, you know, the riding is... There is riding there, that's Certainly, true. you know, caters to, I mean... I mean, yeah, designing a bike like the Druid, right? Yeah, I mean, true. Absolutely yeah. love Rocky. I guess you can sit on your CAD software and design a bike from anywhere. <laughs> anywhere. You sure can. <laughs> anywhere. And make a good one. Right? I mean, yeah. they're making bikes in freaking cam loops. We are one, right? I mean. Yeah, yeah they're manufacturing them there, yeah. actually. I mean, that's yep. Yep. That badass. Cool. Yeah. So there you go. You can do just about anything you want, anywhere you want. I think I'm going to buy Forbidden. Do it. Custom paint it. Do it. Oh, do it. Nice. Sweet. Uh, how about the next question? Mm. The woods up the here woods. in the northeast have been soaked with rain and extra swampy this year, so some of us have been throwing in road rides for fitness and to get a little more airflow over our sweaty selves. <laughs> with Liam being the renaissance man across all disciplines, I'd love to hear a little more about his setup and how he uses road riding to cross-train for mountain biking. Well, I assume he's talking about, like, actual road rides like on a road bike and not just like riding his mountain bike on the road yeah i think so that's kind of what i got from that yeah Yeah. considering he's talking about different disciplines yeah um i mean it kind of all depends but just riding a road bike like once a week does so much for your mountain biking um you're able to like constantly pedal and get that kind of muscle memory base miles it's super easy to stay in zone two zone three mm-hmm. uh heart rate zones power zones just zone training that. in general is possible yeah yeah like yeah. you can't really do that on a mountain bike that easily like yeah you might be able to you know back off or go hard but like sometimes there's a point where you have to be in zone four to get up a single track climb like yep. it's just it's the you could probably do good zone is. training on a mountain bike in kansas <laughs> yeah maybe yeah, and yeah. at that point, you <laughs> might as well just have a gravel bike with forty fives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I, you know, basically what I would do is just, you know, do a bit more zone training, stay in that zone two, zone three, and just do. We call it LSD, long sustained distance. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of like the name of the game when I was training, uh, and then yeah, I don't know. It depends if you're depending on what kind of like riding you're doing, you can gear those rides towards it as well yeah. on the road bike though. Find some hills, find some repeats uh, or where you lack, right? Like maybe you do, you could do a lot of climbing and don't cramp and maybe you clamp on really, you know, long rides that have more flat terrain. So ride the road bike on more flat stuff and, you know, just kind of do it like that. Yeah. Or you could do it the way Jared does, and he picks a delicious restaurant 50 miles away. <laughs> and that's his motivation to ride yeah. the road bike there. And you're thinking about it the Eat whole the time. Eat the food. He, he actually picks it more like home. 80 miles away, does like a loop around, <laughs> yeah. meanders over there, and then has his girlfriend meet him there. Yeah. He's they, so excited about the food. food. I love making it a event, an occasion, you know. Um, but your setup, the weekend. your setup, you have a gravel bike that yeah. you have multiple wheel sets. Yep, uh, I have a right. open yeah, wide a technical road bike. Yeah, no, it's, it's an open bike. wide right now, which is a gravel bike. It is a more, uh, what'd you say, conservative gravel bike compared to where some go in these days. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I definitely have it set up very much like a road bike. Uh, I have two wheel sets. I have NV, what are they? AG25s, I think. AG? AG. That sounds AG? right. AG25s? 
uh, for my gravel wheels with some usually Rambler, Maxxis Rambler 45s that live on there. Um, and then my road wheels are the NV Foundation 45s that I run a Gravel King, Gravel King 35 slick on there. So that's kind of what I use for like road stuff. So, um, yeah, I never ride anything smaller than a 35 and I ride just fine in groups. Those are my setups. Nice. All one by one by 12. One by 12. Yes. Cool. Eagle. You have an open too, don't you? I have an open up. Open, an up. open up. Open up. And I've got open up and the open wide. Clearance. One's wider clearance than the up. Mm. So you have more of a road bike. Eh. That you ride to the brewery. Uh, mine, <laughs> Still a gravel bike. Mine, anyway, mine fits 45s. His fits 40s. Mine is like one degree slacker head tube angle and a touch lower bottom bracket. And those mm. are all the differences. Yeah. I have uh, Easton. Oh, my gosh. EC90 carbon wheels with the vault hubs and the Paneracer Gravel King 38s. 38 maybe, yeah. Um, which are kind of like 40s. I have a Rebel Rover frame that I haven't built up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to, you do. I need to get on that. And we will. I'm going to send uh, myself an email right now. I wonder how many rides I'll get on that before I just say, make I'm, it a, say I'm over drop bars. Make it a demo bike or put flat bars on it. I just can't ride drop bars. I just don't want to ride. You never even done it. That was the thing. Yeah. You should build it up and you should do Nasco with us. Uh, Ooh. No. Not going to do that. You won't. Come on. <laughs> I'm going to patronize you and tell you I'm going to do that. Entertain just have, that idea. I have no interest in doing a ride like that oh. with a bunch of people. And, yeah, not you love shit. to test yourself physically. I don't ride road bikes around like that. It doesn't yeah, sound fun at all. It's for a good cause. It is fun. I'll run it, dude. It's You'll so run fun. It 80 miles, 8,000 feet. No, I'll do dirt Nosco. That I'd do any day. I think you would genuinely enjoy ripping down a descent like Yerba Buena yeah, when sure. no cars are on the road. Yeah. I'm interested in Dirt Nosco. How did that one work again? That was like the backbone trail. Yeah, we didn't. I don't think we ended up doing it, though. It was unofficial, though? Yeah, of course it was unofficial. We yeah. were just going to like start with Nosco and then peel off and hit a bunch of like fire roads and single tracks. But other that... people did it, though, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dave Zabriskie and uh, Robbie, I think, did it. So that's appealing. I'll do Dirt Nosco. Yeah. Oh, sick. There you go. It pretty much answered that question, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Now let's talk about jockey wheels. Oh. Or also known as pulley wheels. Jockey or pulleys. You'd be a good jockey, Jeff. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Dude, no. Okay. <laughs> Somebody told me that before. Somebody told me that, and I was they're, like... They're like 5'3". They're tiny. Yeah. They're like 110 pounds. Yeah. Someone told me that, and I was like, really? Yeah, I could race horses. And I like look up jockeys, and I was like, I'm way too big. Yeah, I'm no. sub- like double the size of a jockey. Yeah. Uh, They're doubles, like five foot two and exactly. 110 pounds. But they are they are small people. Just yeah. get a little bigger horse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. And why do they call them jockey wheels? <laughs> oh, I have no that's clue why they call them jockey wheels. Right? Um, that's the question. I'll Google so the, that. The question is, I was wondering why stock SRAM or Shimano uh, de- derailers from Dior to XTR, from SX to XX1, the jockey wheels are made of nylon plastic material, but aftermarket jockey wheels are CNC'd or so. Is there a reason for it to be not alloy except for weight? Um, I think mainly it's probably for a little forgiveness, and also they run much quieter being nylon than mm. they do uh, metal. Interesting. Some old SRAM. What, what was that? Like maybe OG nine-speed SRAM? X9, X, XO stuff had metal wheels on it. 
Oh, yeah, at some point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. OG, like, first-generation SRAM mountain bike stuff. But it's, but it's louder. Yeah, it runs louder. Um, I've put some metal ones on my bikes or on Jeff's bikes. Yeah, and, you can just kind of hear it when you're pedaling. You can hear it. Yeah. Um, they do look cool. Like those huge ceramic speed ones. Yeah, I put some of those on one of my gravel bikes once. But those are so big you don't hear the noise because they're bigger. Hmm. That makes and sense. And the bearing is so smooth. Ooh. Um, smooth. Honestly, I don't really know for that, but my only guess would be for noise and or it is a light. It's just got to be cost. Yeah. And it's cost and it's like, – uh, You're not getting any more performance. If anything, you could argue less performance because of the noise, but you're not really getting more performance and it's just more expensive. Yeah. But it is a great stylish upgrade it's to get definitely some anodized alloy points, yeah. pulley wheels. Mm. Yeah. Um, Pretty and, sweet. And it's a wearable part, so you, know, you are going to have to replace them and it's – Cheaper to replace nylon than it is CNC oh, yeah. metal. Yeah, probably one sixth the cost. Yeah, check this out. The name jockey wheel comes mm-hmm. from the similarity between the placement of the wheel on a trailer and the position of a rider on a horse. The wheel is designed to jockey or guide the movement of trailers. It allows you to position your trailer so it can be lifted and lowered onto a tow bar. Most jockey wheels can be stowed away securely to hide while the vehicle is moving. So I guess the original jockey wheel is that little... And the little crank thing? The, the crank little, on Yeah, it has the trailer, crank right yeah. above it, yeah. And then it says after that, jockey wheels are also the little cogs on a rear derailleur of a bicycle. They are known collectively as jockey wheels or jockey pulleys. The guide pulley is at the top part, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So... So I guess that's where it originated from. Hmm. And then they got called that on the bicycle, jockey wheels. Go figure. Well, wheels, figure. poly wheels, definitely more called poly wheels these days. Yeah. Yeah, now that maybe people call them jockey wheels or just pulley wheels. I don't even know if it says jockey wheel on any of the product I listings on all of our sites. It just all says pulley wheel. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Jackie. Jackie. How about this one, Jeff? You're going to love this. My trusty Garmin 400 235 recently died on me, and I've been enjoying some trackless laps as well as getting rid of a horrific watch tan. There's a lot of options on the market, and I was wondering if you guys go through what you have and what you like or don't like, as well as any opinions on any other watch or computer candidates you would entertain for mountain biking, running, and hiking. Well, this is right up Jeff's alley. (laughs) Right up Jeff's alley. I'm a big Garmin watch fan. I think they make, uh, the only problem with Garmin watches is they make too many watches and then you can end up in full blown decision paralysis to figure out which ones to get. I wouldn't even do the research. I just asked Jeff and go, Hey, what's one should I get? You want to buy mine? (laughs) (laughs) It it mostly boils down to price point. Like if, if you're willing to spend a thousand bucks, get the Phoenix series, it's the flagship series Garmin watch and it does all the things. Um, if you're not willing to spend that, um, then the forerunner series is kind of the next best thing. It's a little bit lighter, a little bit more tailored towards running slash triathlete. So it still has all the cycling features. Um, but then of course there's like this guy, the 235, which was missing a ton of features when you compare it to the higher end forerunners. Um, and even now it'd be a 255, which would probably have a ton more features than that. Yeah. So it, it does, it does just kind of depend on price point for the most part and what other activities you do. Um, I have the Phoenix 7S Soul. Solar Sapphire. How about that for wow. a product wow. name? How about that for a product Phoenix name? Phoenix 7S Solar Sapphire. Phoenix Sapphire, the Solar Sapphire. <laughs> Sounds uh, like a f- uh, f- five gum commercial. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it kind of does. Or like a Marvel character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is what it sounds like. <laughs> 
Uh, I just love Garmin watches. I think it's they're so incredible, not only um, with the GPS technology and tracking all of your rides and all of your activities and basically everything you do from a workout in the gym to trail running, hiking, snowboarding, skiing, mountain biking, motocross, like four by four, like you can use it for anything. Mm. It's really cool and track all of that. Um, and then it also tracks all of your sleep, your heart rate, all that. The battery lasts two weeks. Uh, so they're just incredible watches. They just do so much. So I don't really think anyone has a leg on them at all, unless you prefer a miniature iPhone on your wrist, then of course the Apple watch is the way to go. Mm -hmm. Um, and the Apple watch ultra is like some better GPS tracking and stuff, but it's still just a little mini iPhone on your wrist. Um, and the battery lasts a day and a half. So it's like, it's just, I don't know, not the thing. So I don't know. I'm I'm a massive fan of of Garmin. Um, I with Phoenix, and yeah, you guys both have Forerunners. Yep. Forerunner nine four five LTE. Yeah, and then you have a you have a nine five five. I thought four five. Oh. I got mine right before the fifty five came out. Oh, I have a nine four five as well. Mine yeah. just non LTE. Not the LTE one. Yeah. The only yeah. thing I wish it had was a specific downhill biking activity. Yeah, that's still a hole in the line. So there, there's not a bike park activity. There was rumors of it. It was in some beta or something, but it still doesn't exist on there. Really? I thought it was on only a couple of watches. I don't remember. I'd have to look back into it. But yeah, the, I don't think it's on anything. The cheat with that is you can run a snowboard or a skiing activity because it has, on the higher end watches, it has those activities. It has all of the resort maps built into it. So it knows when you're on the lift. And then it doesn't count the lift as elevation gain because it knows you're on the lift. Um, and then it tells you how many runs you did. It's does, all it's all figured out. Does it out. count so, any elevation gain now? Or does it just take basically all elevation gain no, out of the activity? It'll count elevation gain um, if you're not on the lift. Gotcha. So, like, for example, last uh, last winter in Park City, I was running a snowboarding activity while snowboarding. And then we did some stuff where we hiked up some big thing and did some shoot and it yeah. counted all that. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, so it does, it does work like that. And you can use the snowboard activity – at the bike park in the summer and it works perfect and then you just change the activity name yeah. and type later but yeah it should have a bike park activity and that's what it, i did at whistler the snowboard yeah. activity and it worked and it worked yeah. yeah i was just like i didn't want to do it when we were in italy because see that's the weird case where i don't know if it would work because we There's weren't so necessarily many, right? just going up the lift and then down the lift and right. up the lift and down yeah. lift. we were going like up a lift and then we would traverse for 10 miles and then we'd go up another one mm-hmm. yeah. i don't even know if it would work in that case and yeah. i wasn't willing to test it so i was just pausing mine every time we got on a lift yeah and see i don't i wasn't doing that because i have a tendency to forget to resume it yeah, yeah. so i'm like i'm just gonna let it run and then just you know i think of go for an Everest every day. Go for an Everest yeah. every day. <laughs> the five or six days of riding, I forgot two or three times to start it or stop it. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty it's good. Pretty good. For considering we did like 30 lifts. Yeah. Pretty good ratio. Yeah. It's pretty much the last thing, which is a niche market, but the last thing they really need is to make a mountain bike activity that excludes lifts. Yeah. Um, and if it has the lifts mapped in there and or it can recognize with the software that you're on a lift, it should just know how to exclude that. Garmin, but, are you listening? You better listen to this, Garmin. Listen. They're in Kansas City. Listen. Uh, but yeah, I'm a huge fan of Garmin watches. I just I just think they're the, the best thing all around. You know, there's some other cool products out there. Um, you know, again, Apple Watch works if you make phone calls and text messages and do that stuff and you want a little iPhone on your wrist, but otherwise it's not even comparable. Isn't there another yeah. like GPS There's Sunto and Koros or the other yeah, two Sunto. cool brands. Yeah, Sunto used to be ahead of Garmin. Like years ago, I had a Sunto Ambit 2 and they had a better watch than Garmin, like hmm. by a lot. Um, but they kind of just fell off and they got sold to some Excel partners and like big private mm-hmm. equity firm and hmm. 
still have good products, but they're they're way more focused on Europe because it's a Finnish company and that's their target market. Interesting. Yeah. So and they just they just lost like they just they they lost competitiveness like they just don't have the same amount of features and models and sizes and all those other things that Garmin has right now. So nice. I don't know. That's my that's my shtick. There you go. If you uh, want to talk more about it, just DM me on Instagram. <laughs> I'll send you back five minutes worth of voice messages. <laughs> but yeah, Garb, it is hard to figure out which Garmin watch to get, but you pretty much can't go wrong with the Forerunner or Phoenix. Nice. And then just spend more if you want more features if you need them. Nice. Well, Jeff, you are going to love answering this next one too because you have all the intel. Can you provide some advice on how a first-time attendee can best enjoy going to the 2023 Snowshoe World Cup downhill race? For example, the best area to watch the race, whether it's better to move around the track, what to check out other than the actual races, training, the pits, etc., non-racing activities, and any other tips. Thanks. So I went there last year, and it was a ton of fun. It's a great race to spectate at. There was a ton of crazy fans, and it was wild and awesome. Um, Snowshoe is very uh, backwards in the sense that the top of the race is where the pits are and where the whole resort is, and it kind of goes down into this empty valley and mm. then they all lift take the that. lift back up yeah it's it's super weird i've never hmm. really been to a race like that yeah. other than snowshoe so this is a really good question um i think the way to do it so the way we did it was we from the top we you know during practice we walked down the track i don't know third of the way and then back up the track because everything's at the top all the yeah. restaurants all the lodging 100 percent of everything is at the top the only thing that's not there is a the finish obviously um, but on race day we went during the women's finals, we uh, took the lift to the bottom and the plan was to basically walk up the track the whole way. And it's usually a bit muddy and steep in spots, but you can do it and it's a ton of fun. And then you can go to all the cool spots. There's a really awesome rock garden about seven eighths the way down the track, which is a great spectating yeah, spot. Gnarly. Yeah. And yeah. then there's all these other good spots as you make your way back towards the top. So we just hiked all the way up the track during the finals, which was great. Um, so I'd recommend doing that if you really want to watch all the different sections of the track and whatnot um you could a lot of people just hang it at the bottom of every world cup because there you have a big tv live tv board there and you can watch it but you can't really see anything other than the last like 200 feet so uh yeah there you go the Maybe other problem at the bottom for the last couple riders or the problem with being at the bottom for the last couple riders is a lot of people do that and there's only one way back up and it's that lift oh and then so you're there's down there like for a while hour or, or two hour lift back line to just oh. get on the lift go back to the whole main resort or wow. you got to walk up the course basically in silence and yeah. no one on the course so wow it's not the best race for spectating in that sense but that's the way i did it we went down there during the women's finals and then walked hiked our way back up the course so you're going this year right liam yeah yeah i just need to basically book a flight and yeah figure out the last bit of details but i am going to be there and it'll be fun yep all right well, if you go there this year, look for Liam. He'll be there. Look for me. Nice. Ask him a brake pad question. <laughs> <laughs> Say, hi, are you Liam? Can I ask you a question about my MTX brake pads? <laughs> Maybe buy me a beer. <laughs> Dude, there was that, that race, there were so many people drinking and partying, and there was a whole group of people dressed up as Oompa Loompas <laughs> with <laughs> drums and trumpets, and it was out of control. It was it was so much fun. It was such an awesome... And that was also what was cool about hiking up the track during the finals is that you got to see all of that shenanigans. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was really fun. So that that is, I mean, 
I think every World Cup is awesome to go and spectate and see because you don't realize how fast those races yeah. are going until you see it in real life, and it's mind-blowing. Um, it's really cool. It also rains there a bit, so make sure to bring yourself a little umbrella and a rain shell. Mm. But it's going to be the summer, so you'll be warm. Summer nice. is fall, late summer. So late, late, be nice. Well, I think technically it is fall. Yeah, by the time that races. When is it race this year? It's like two, two End weeks of this month, month, right? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah, It'll be book, nice out there. I got book flights. Yeah, it's a beautiful area. Really cool resort. West Virginia. Take me home. Take me home. <laughs> Country road. Well, that's it. That's all for this episode. Thank you very much for well, listening. Do, do we we have our previous, previous episode. Oh, notes? we also forgot our fun fact. Oh, yeah. Oh, the fun fact of, of the episode, lobsters never stop growing. That's Daniel's fun That's fact Daniel's of the week. That's Daniel's fun fact of the week. They never stop growing, ladies and gentlemen. Well, we can hit this one real quick. How much time do we have, Jeff? Minute and a half. Minute and a half. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> uh, last episode, we had Trevor on. He had an SB140 with two wheel sets, a lightweight bird setup and a more burly downhill-oriented setup. Said he runs heavy-duty casing tires on some sort of DT Swiss wheels. So it makes a huge difference downhill purposes. Why is that? Why not run burlier bird wheels set up with double-down casing and still save some weight? Um, essentially, there's just a point to where having a, a steel spoke um, and a stronger rim, stronger setup, is just more confidence-inspiring in rock gardens over the bird setup. Mm-hmm. I think there's there's a point where you're going to push the birds a little too hard if you're doing proper hard enduro riding, mm-hmm. and that's why I keep light casing on the birds run thick casings on some DT Swiss, I think it's 511s front and rear. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Also, um, thank you for everyone who gave Trevor positive comments. Oh, it was yeah. awesome that he filled in on that last episode. And he'll be on yet again, mm-hmm. filling in for Liam later this month. So if yeah. you have any specific Trevor questions, send them over to podcastworldwidecycler.com. Boom. Also, Boom. if you give us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and screenshot it and email that screenshot to podcastworldwidecycler.com, Jared will give you a little special surprise. That's right. Jared's special surprise. Jared's special surprise. Jared's special surprise, also known as a $10 gift card or something. Like $15. Yeah. $15, $15 gift card. $15. $15. $15. $15. $15. $15. $15. $15. $15. $15. $15. $15. $15. $15. $15. $15. $15. $15. $15. $15. $15. $15. $15. $15. $15. $15. $15. $15. $15. $15. $15. $15. $15